Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. We're wrapping up week three of our bout of financial instability. NASDAQ has entered a bull market. The Atlanta Fed GDP Now estimate for Q1 growth is above 3%, and the market-implied terminal rate for year-end has fallen by more than a point, a point this month. What's not to love? This week, our three things are, one, market sentiment. Here's a hint, it's all over the place. Two, earnings season is back. What will the banks say? And three, Chinese growth. It's positive, right? Right? All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Market sentiment after the shock. So here we are in our fourth and final extraordinary year in the pandemic era. Shock, freeze, stimulus, reopening, excess, correction. I don't have to tell you that it's been quite a ride economically. The latest leg, financial instability, introduces an unwelcome twist that few saw coming, but one that always seems to present to some degree in downturns. Sizing up the impact of that on market sentiment and behavior is the latest task at hand. Here are some thoughts. One. This still feels like a bear market rally in risk. The federal government stepped in quickly to prevent banking contagion. The episode feels like it actually could fuel investor risk appetite because we're no longer talking about rates going to 6%. We're wondering whether or not they will go to 4% by the year end. Volatility is down in stocks and bonds, and credit went on sale. But we're not back to no landing scenarios. We're back to waiting This recession has felt like it is X plus two or X plus three quarters away for some time now. Two, financial conditions will tighten further. We've talked about this quite a bit recently for those scoring credit, lenders, investors, accountants. They will be more conservative than they would have been three weeks ago. For those driving the economy, consumers and businesses, Credit will be less widely available and more expensive, and behaviorally, risk-taking sentiment will eventually grow more conservative. All of this increases recession risk, especially in the second half. Ah, X plus two quarters. Three, Tara is firmly entrenched. There are reasonable alternatives, investment-grade credit being one of the more attractive opportunities, with yields north of 5%. This reduces the search for yield. We haven't said that in a long time. Four, industrials will draw a stronger bid. With each banking crisis, a certain investor will say, never again. As in, I will never again be overweight financials late in a cycle. That means, in the wake of recent bank failures, there will be a strong bid, and there is, for industrial paper. As one investor said to me, industrials don't go bust in 40 hours. Neither do well-run banks, we would point out, but we're not going to win that battle. And five, New issue supply might reduce. Lower growth in a less certain economic environment should curtail issuance to some extent. M&A activity figures to curtail as buyer and seller expectations drift, and future cash flows are more difficult to model. For credit to break here, really underperform, we would need to see significant contagion of financial instability, not likely, a spike in unemployment, not likely, a significant drop in earnings growth, not likely, or a spike in inflation, not likely. For credit to outperform from here, visibility into these issues has to improve. All right, on to our second thing. It's earnings season. 
So earnings season has kind of snuck up on everyone as we've all been preoccupied with bank deposit flows, the prospects of credit crunch, and of course, the usual Fed drama. So let's bring it all back to something easily scored, earnings. Our first clue, imperfect as it is, is what's happening with stocks. They're up. The S&P 500 is up 5.5% year-to-date, the NASDAQ a whopping 14.7%. Over in Europe, the stock 600 is up 7.5% and the FTSE up 2.6%. Doesn't feel all that bad. Forward multiples in the U.S. are healthy, to say the least. 18 times for the S&P, 27 times for the NASDAQ. Both better than long-term averages, not reflecting a whole lot of concern about recession. Fundamentalists would say that that suggests growth and margin are solid and the future looks fine. Huh? Bears getting run over at the moment would say that we're back to a handful of names powering the broader market, something borne out in the S&P 500 Equal Weighted Index, which is up just half of 1% on the year. And at 15 times forward earnings, it's trading three multiple points below its long-term average. So that makes more sense. That also squares up with falling estimates for Q1 earnings. Bloomberg consensus for the S&P 500 currently sits at $50.86 a share, some 15% below the estimate peak back in June of 2022. That would be 6.9% lower year-on-year. And if that plays out, we will officially be in an earnings recession, as this would be the second consecutive quarter of earnings decline, following a 1.6 year-on-year drop in Q4. For the quarter, 83 firms have issued negative guidance versus just 25 that have issued positive guidance. By sector, double-digit drops forecast for the current quarter include a 31% fall expected in materials. 19% 19% down in healthcare, that's mostly pharma, 17% down in communication services, and 12% in information technology. The only sector expected to show double digit gains in the current quarter is energy, up 12%. Common themes running through the results are likely to be excess margin correcting and slower growth creeping in. We would expect the material sector profitability to fall, reflecting pressure across the commodity complex although the rise in energy doesn't fit that narrative. Go figure. Technology profitability is expected to be under pressure, consistent with all of the layoff announcements, and yet tech stocks and credit are well bid. It feels like that is just a correction from over-hiring and over-earning through the pandemic period. There is talk of tech once again being a safe haven, something that speaks to certain names in the sector exhibiting attributes typically seen in utilities and consumer staples rather than those we usually associate with higher beta behavior and performance. Much attention, of course, will be on the banks. For what it's worth, earnings are expected to have risen 10% in Q1 for S&P 500 banks, which of course includes the largest banks. Regional bank earnings, those included in the KBW Regional Bank Index, are expected to fall by 10%. We don't expect much drama around reported results, as they are, of course, backward-looking. One forward-looking data point that will be closely watched is the all-important loan loss provision. That is expected to creep up, but we're not expecting material or alarming increases there. Yes, we are seeing higher delinquencies and losses on the consumer side of things, but given the strength of the jobs market and the benefits still of excess savings, those increases in bad debt costs at the banks, which by the way cater to wealthier strata of consumers, are expected to be modest. 
expect all of the attention to be on deposit flows and the related net interest margin pressure, as well as the outlook for loan growth and loan losses. All of this will be among the most closely analyzed messages across all sectors in this earnings season. Expect to hear the word resilient when, with regard to the banks quite a bit. That seems to be the word of the crisis chosen by regulators in their carefully chosen talking points. Overall, this should be a relatively sound earnings quarter, acknowledging that we are in earnings recession. Investor focus will be on how bad it might get when that X plus two quarters recession hits. All right, on to our third thing, Chinese growth. We got some interesting color this week from the head of Maersk, the world's second largest container shipper on the strength of the Chinese economic rebound. The newsflash? It's disappointing. Strong Chinese growth in the wake of the country's much ballyhooed reopening from its zero COVID policy is expected to be an important offset in 2023 to decelerating growth in the advanced economies, and yet signs on the ground and on the seas suggest otherwise. There was this hope, Maersk's CEO said, that as China reopens after COVID, we would see a really strong rebound. I think we've not seen it yet. He added that the Chinese consumer is not yet in a splurging mood. He cited Maersk's customers' feedback that useful context might be 2003 when the Chinese economy was hit hard by severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS. Chinese consumers did not simply flip a switch post-SARS and assume what the Maersk CEO characterized as a roaring 20s-type mood. It took a while to get over the shock. Now, to be fair, China has set a growth target of just 5% for 2023, its lowest target ever. It did not set a target, by the way, in 2020. And it's well below its average annual growth of 8.4% over the past 20 years. While the IMF has been cautious around China's growth prospects in the medium term, the fund does expect China, along with India, to be a major engine of growth in the global economy in 2023. We bring this up for two reasons that are relevant to credit markets. One, China is an important driver of global growth through its own demand and its role in contributing to global supply chain efficiency. And two, news of China slowing had been instrumental in recent sell-offs broadly in credit, most notably in 2015 and 16 and 2018. While markets may be growing accustomed to slowing Chinese growth as the new normal, by the way, the IMF believes the country's growth rate will slow to 4.5% to 4.75% between 2023 and 2027, we believe it serves as important ballast to the slowdown in 2023 in the U.S. and Europe. Disappointing growth could be one more source, an unexpected one, of headwinds in 2023. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, market sentiment. It's relatively positive at the moment. Check back in a couple of quarters. Two, earnings season. Expect cautionary guidance overall and defensive commentary from the banks. And three, Chinese growth. Too much change all at once is weighing on its recovery. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, 
Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.